0: what college matters what college College matters matters. really
1: for sure college matters
0: alma matters matters.
1: i've just i've met one of you know so many people and so many cool individuals like the amount of just mind-blowing mind-boggling things that everyone's been up to it's so amazing Mm -hmm. and it's such a strong support network like right now i'm I got another writing position um, with a Koch scholar from, I want to say, 2017.
0: That is Kyla Walters, 2022 Koch scholar and a recent graduate of Madison High School, New Jersey. Hello, I'm your host, Venkatraman. With this episode, we continue a select set of conversations with high schoolers about their outlook for their futures. We are joined by Skylar Walters, a freshman at Brown University this fall. Skylar is a teenager with a wide array of interests. She enjoys computer science, loves history. She was in the band, on the physics team. She's a science media creator, trying to explain science concepts in simple terms. Inspired by her younger brother's physical challenge, she started printing 3D prosthetic hands and donating them to kids. In this podcast, Skylar talks about being a science media creator, winning the Coca-Cola scholarship, her college search process, and her advice to college aspirants. Now, before we jump into the podcast, here are the high fives, five highlights from the podcast.
1: I consider myself to be a science media creator mm-hmm. and uh, a college student now. which 80% of autoimmune patients are female. Um, mm. And there's the scale that's sometimes used when you sort of examine the relative burden of a disease and the mm-hmm. cost and funding of research. And yeah. Autoimmune illnesses have some of the highest burdens. It's, it's one of the leading causes of death and disability for women under mm-hmm. the age of 50. Mm-hmm. Um, but the amount of funding that goes into it is incredibly low. No one yeah. from my school has even been a semifinalist before.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I opened up my email, saw that I was a semifinalist and screamed, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and my mom was going crazy because I, I had to explain what it was to them because they didn't know. <laughs> so I explained it to them, and they were going crazy, and my dad was going crazy, and even my, my siblings, all three of them ran into my room, and they were like, great job, Skylar. And that was <laughs> just for the first round. Yeah, so I had this mega list of schools, Yeah. and over time, I'd visit their webinars and sort of learn, like, can I see myself at this school? So, like, for example, I used to think Caltech was my dream school, um, mm-hmm. and then I went to one webinar... Mm -hmm. And I asked, like, is there a way to, you know, how do students handle hobbies and academics? And I think her answer was something along the lines of, you know, it's hard to, but if you really love something, you'll find a way to do it. Don't do things because you think they look good on a college application. Do things Mm -hmm. because you have a genuine, deep interest in them um, and, and really want to explore them maybe in the future.
0: These were the High Fives, brought to you by College Matters. Alma Matters. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Now, I'm sure you want to hear the entire podcast with Skylar. So without further ado, here's the podcast with Skylar Walters. Cool. So maybe you can start by telling us a little bit about yourself. Uh, How would you describe yourself?
1: Yeah. uh, So... I consider myself to be a science media creator Mm -hmm. and uh, a college student now, which is cool. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, beyond that, I'm really into creative work. I do a ton of work with like fiber arts, uh, textile design. And yeah.
0: (laughs) Let me start a little bit with um, your high school. What kind of? Things were of interest to you in the classroom. Mm-hmm.
1: So uh, I went to my local public school, mm-hmm. uh, and I had a really great experience. I was really lucky because it was it was a smaller school. We had about two hundred kids per grade, mm-hmm. um, and so we just had like a, amazing teachers and faculty there for us. Mm-hmm. Um, I was really interested in sort of exploring new courses as I got into like junior and senior year, like. Uh, I took an amazing... We are, were lucky enough to have computer science offered at my school. Mm-hmm. Um, so I took a really cool comp sci class. I learned about Java. Um, we had a really fun U.S. history class that was essentially uh, our teacher talking about his life for 40 minutes a day, and it was really entertaining because he would always talk about <laughs> like how he fit into historical events. Like, he um, he actually went to Soviet Russia with his students on a few field trips there.
2: Uh-huh.
1: Um. Yeah, I was I was involved with the band for all four years. I play trumpet, mellophone, uh, mostly, but I'm involved with a few other instruments like flute, clarinet, but those are mostly on my own time. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, I did. um, I did the physics team, which was such a cool group of people. Mm
2: -hmm. I joined my
1: freshman year and the greatest event ever. It's called the Pumpkin Chunkin. Mm. We'd essentially build. 12 foot tall trebuchets and every year we'd go to this place called the picatinny arsenal which you'll know if you're from new jersey mm-hmm. um and you just launch these pumpkins into this giant lake and it's so cool <laughs> <laughs> yeah um i guess i'll talk about a bit more with sort of the stuff that i worked on uh and left. yeah
0: yeah so but sounds like uh you have mm-hmm. some really weird interests. Um,
1: yeah, so I think the prosthetic hands is, that is, was involved a lot with school. I actually started that program when I was in 6th grade at my local middle school.
2: Uh-huh.
1: Um, so just for reference, my brother, greatest kid in the world, um, he was born <laughs> without his right hand. Uh-huh. So when I was in 6th school got a 3D printer. Um, uh-huh. And it's just the coolest piece of machinery. I had so much fun playing with it.
2: Uh-huh. And
1: I was just sort of going around on Thingiverse, and I found these models for 3D-printed prosthetic hands.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And that made me so excited. <laughs> so I did a test print. It came out terribly because it was like a 24-hour print, and mm-hmm. our 3D printer is pretty bad. Um, but I kept going, and eventually, you know, I assembled a team of a few students uh, with this other girl named Shannon. She's really cool. She has to Stevens now. And mm-hmm. I think she's actually doing, like, computer science and prosthetics design. Mm. but um you know we built these hands and started donating them to kids and I built one for my brother that was Captain America themed
2: mm-hmm. and it had
1: a little a little shield on it Captain America's shield and you could shoot it uh-huh. um and I stayed involved with that program at that middle school even after I graduated there yeah and it's still it's still a living program it's still going strong there which is super cool um but I didn't actually start at my high school until until probably junior or senior year i wanted to start it actually when i was i think sophomore year but covid caused a lot of issues with yeah trying to start it get it off the ground um and we didn't really have like club meetings again at my high school until the end of junior year beginning of senior year so mm-hmm. <laughs> finally it was time for the project to start up again um and i've been doing it sort of on my own on and off for a while with um just my schools on 3d printed own 3d printers um and then you know i was like this is a bigger thing like it's more than just me we should have a whole group of people working on it so yeah uh this year i was able to finally get the funding for it finally get the program started and we actually started through the physics team which Uh once again super cool people yeah um and yeah just been going on since
0: now tell me about uh being a science media creator what does that mean and yeah what do you do
1: yeah so for me i think there's a really big problem in science and it's Mm -hmm. that it is way too highbrow there are so many concepts that you can explain so simply and so easily Mm -hmm. with with better communication and i think a lot of a lot of the problems in science when it comes down to like trying to diversify in terms of class, gender, race, a lot mm-hmm. of it comes with barriers with trying to communicate it effectively and make it more accessible to others. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's sort of where my passion for media creation comes in. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always loved writing. I've always loved documentaries. <laughs> when I was a kid, like that my mom would force me to watch documentaries because yeah. uh, <laughs> she didn't like watching Spongebob. Yeah, Um, it's it's kind (laughs) of true, but in a great way because I was I was a dinosaur obsessed kid and I loved those dinosaur documentaries. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so now I work for this super cool company called Go Beyond Labs. Shout out to Jen; she's really become my mentor. Mm -hmm. Uh, where we essentially do just that: we documentaries, podcasts, and written media that tries to take really complex um, subjects in science. And make them more straightforward and simple. Um, well, into working to feature under her voices in science. Um, so, for example, we have this really cool sort of like photography series with these neat like uh, graphics all about like just in really cool innovators in science, mm-hmm. like uh,
2: mm-hmm. and, and math, yeah.
1: um, which is really fun. <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: Um. um so I think it's it's really important that we sort of examine the societal shapings that sort of impact our discoveries and how we mm-hmm. do science. Um, so I've done a lot of work with AI research um, and sort of bias there, um, medical research and you know gender and racial bias there. So for example, autoimmune illness mm-hmm. affects eighty uh, sorry eighty percent of autoimmune patients are female. Um, mm. And there's the scale that's sometimes used when you sort of examine the relative burden of a disease and the Mm -hmm. cost and funding of research and autoimmune illnesses have some of the highest burdens it's it's one of the leading causes of death and disability for women under Mm -hmm. the age of 50. Mm -hmm. Um, But the amount of funding that goes into it is incredibly low. So it's this crippling crippling cause crippling you know, disease burden that has so little research going toward it that a lot of treatments are hard to come by, a lot of cures. It takes up to, I think it's the statistic is six doctors over the course of four years before Mm. most patients even get a concrete diagnosis. So I think it's really important to look into how, you know, our societal views on gender and, and race sort of play into that, that funding of research. And, you know, it's in the end, unfortunately, our own unintentional biases are, are hurting people and killing people. And it's something we really
0: need to acknowledge more when we do science. The question I have for you actually is how did you get into all this? Why is this interesting to you? Why does it inspire you or excite you?
1: Yeah, I feel like I feel like I don't have the most exciting answer for it. It kind of it kind of found me. Um, A few years back, I want to say it was my freshman, or sophomore year of high school. Um, Mm -hmm. I was really interested in like sustainability. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think a lot of stuff that we don't necessarily think about when we think about sustainability is how there's a lot of a lot of different factors that go into play societally. So there's you know, you have class, uh, a richer person is going to use more energy than a poorer mm-hmm. person. And then there's also issues of, I believe it's called environmental racism, where you sort of have areas with different demographics having different access to green spaces or um, tree content, that sort of thing. And mm-hmm. that got me really interested in like that sort of combination of looking at science through a societal perspective. Mm hmm. And then I sort of created this theoretical invention one time that <laughs> um, yeah. was sort of like using algae as an air purifying source. And I entered some like business competition because I, I really was interested in, in engineering that future instead of communicating at the time. And I sort of met this mentor named Jen, Jen Hallwell, um, the mm-hmm. founder of Go Beyond. Mm-hmm. And she, she was like, you are going to love what my company's doing um, mm-hmm. and offered for me to interview for her Um, Mm -hmm. and that's how I got started into and started pivoting more toward media creation because up until that point I really loved writing but I'd never gotten to have a chance at doing it Mm -hmm. so I started pivoting more from you know innovating ideas to examining them and trying to share them with the world Um, yeah and that's that's how I sort of got to this this drive to understand little puzzle pieces. Like my mom loves jigsaw puzzles and I <laughs> cannot stand them, but you know, this is, this is the puzzle for me.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, um, one more question on this and then we'll yeah. move on. I mean, I did, you know, as you were growing up and you're still growing up, so, you know, in, in school, did you find that being a girl in science was a challenge or, um, how how was how was it received within your school Yeah, i
1: i had two very different experiences and two Mm -hmm. very very i guess i guess empowering experiences um when i was in middle school i had the most atrocious science teacher (laughs) Mm -hmm. really hope he uh he doesn't find himself on here (laughs) um and he would say things he would say things like oh i can't use the drill because my nails will get stuck in it and you know, mm-hmm. I'm a chronic nail biter. I don't have nails <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: um, or like I can't lead the rocketry team. Like I'm going to give it to the two random boys that have never expressed an interest in rocketry until today. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like it was like little things. But, you know, in the end, I'm still really grateful for him because he helped me, get me into into science in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I got to high school, I had my school just physics first. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is a really great model and I, I have to recommend it for other schools mm-hmm. um, just because it's a it's such a foundational science class for the rest of the four years but mm-hmm. I had this teacher named Ms. Rodding uh shout out mm-hmm. to see Ms. Rodding I will be sending this to you <laughs> and she is a physicist uh, and a physics teacher and she just she was so engaging with the subject and was so encouraging and always was like you're I'm always here to help mm-hmm. you know my first year she coached the physics team and, and there were probably three girls on the team and the two of us would always work together to try and get more people to join. And, and by the end, it was, it was pretty honestly like a, mm. a gender, a, even gender split. And I thought that was, that was really cool because she was always working to get us into science. Um, but I mean, honestly, like I have seen so many people become disencouraged from doing science. So many, especially, you know, women. Because they think, like, I have to be a math genius in order to take a physics class. I have to, you know, uh, learn all these insane formulas to do chemistry or anything like that. But I think think it also goes back to accessibility. When we try to make it more straightforward and take out the convoluted language, like, science becomes more accessible. And I've met so many incredible, you know, female scientists and diverse Hmm. creators that... It's really encouraging for the future.
0: No question, no question. I mean, I'm really oh, yeah. and very happy that you're doing it. And obviously you're bringing great passion and excitement and energy to it and Thank you. More, more power to you. <laughs> um,
1: yeah. Oh, cool. sorry, can so, I add one thing?
0: Sure, sure, go ahead.
1: Yeah, this is, I just, I wanna bring it up. When I graduated from middle school, there was this one teacher not not even a teacher he was my field hockey coach since I was probably in third grade Mm -hmm. who was always always just keeping track of everything I did Mm -hmm. and he once gave me this book and I still have it on my bookshelf I'm looking at it right now Mm -hmm. called I think it's 50 incredible limited science and Mm -hmm. he wrote me the most incredible note inside and it said something along the lines of you're going to be in the next edition and you're going to get other people into the next edition and fabulous. I, you know, that's honestly a big source of inspiration too, because it's like, you know, not just, not just am I going to try and innovate for the future, but push others to innovate.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you know, one thing is to do, but the bigger thing is to inspire and get others to do. Yeah, sure. exactly. Yeah. Let's talk about the Koch scholarship. Um, yeah. Yeah. Why did you even think about it? Why did you think of applying?
1: <laughs> it's, it's really funny, actually, sort of. <laughs> but um, I accidentally stumbled on the Koch Scholars website uh-huh. probably my freshman year of high school. And uh-huh. I was reading through all of those bios and everyone on there. And I was thinking, wow, I could never do that. And mm-hmm. the truth was, I wasn't even going to apply, I'd forgotten about it by the time I was mm-hmm. a senior. And it was probably a week before the application was due and I was just really bored in the library. And I thought, you know what, why not Why not throw it in? Because I'd sort of been been learning this lesson for the past few years. Uh, my dad likes to call it like, just say yes to everything. Yeah. Um, and I, I couldn't agree more, you know, you never let an opportunity pass you by even even if yeah. it seems like it'll be boring or mundane. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, the Koch scholarship, it was it was an opportunity I had sitting there and I had an hour of free time to fill it out for that first round, because the first round is it's it doesn't really have any essays. It's not a super time consuming thing. Mm-hmm. And I just want to say to all the all the seniors or soon to be seniors who are listening. You know, just say yes, apply to everything and anything you can. That's probably the, the biggest piece of advice I can give you besides, you know, still still trying to have mm-hmm. fun. Um, yeah, and the scholarship application is now open, so I would definitely, definitely apply.
0: You know, you said the first step wasn't uh, too bad. Um, yeah. How was the How was the rest of the process?
2: Um,
1: I had completely forgotten about the application, and I didn't have because I didn't have any expectations. Uh, no one yeah. from my school has even been a semifinalist before,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and I opened up my email, saw that I was a semifinalist, and screamed essentially. Mm-hmm. Um and my mom was going crazy because I, I had to explain what it was to them because they didn't know. <laughs> so I explained it to them and they were going crazy and my dad was going crazy. And even my my siblings, all three of them ran into my room and they were like, Great job, Skylar. And that was <laughs> just for the first round. But um yeah, so that after you were a semifinalist, you sort of move on to that stage where you would write a lot of essays. So mm-hmm. I believe it was three 50 word prompts. And I had so much fun writing those.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, just because, you know, writing is my strong suit. It's something I've always loved, something I hope to continue pursuing in the future. Um, sure. And I think three longer form essays. And yeah, so that was that was the next round. And then I got my regional finalist email and I was going crazy again. <laughs> um, and then from the regional finalists, this was by far the most horrifying stage Um you had a twenty-minute interview,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and that twenty-minute interview would determine who becomes. So there are two hundred fifty people left, and right. that interview determines who are the one hundred fifty uh, scholars. Mm-hmm. And you, know, I'm pretty okay at interviews, but this one I was nervous out of my mind for. Um, <laughs> and I, I have pretty bad Wi-Fi a lot, so I was like, my entire family needs to shut off your phone, shut off your Wi-Fi. <laughs> I need all the wifi I can get. And right before I did it, my dad came into the room where I was doing my interview Mm -hmm. and he just, he gave me this big hug and said, you know, whatever happens from here, just know that you were all so proud of you. And this was all, this was all you, this was your work. And Mm
2: -hmm.
1: I'm really grateful for my family because they're not really, they don't, they don't really put pressure on me in any way. Mm-hmm. um like my dad always jokes and he, he still does that he has the lowest SAT score in a his school's history and mm-hmm. he's still successful and, and had a really great life um mm-hmm. so I just I was really grateful to him in that moment for coming in there and just and just reminding me that this was all you know my work and my motivation that got me here and so I did my interview I was freaking out the entire time and then the last question came and he asked who would be prouder of you, your parents or yourself? And I just told them that whole story about my dad just coming yeah. in there and, and really, you know, being there for me. Um, mm-hmm. And then a few weeks later, I, I have a friend who had also been a regional scholar, a regional finalist.
0: Right.
1: And uh, she texts me in the middle of a car, right? I drive, I drive to eye therapy like once or twice a yeah. week.
2: Yeah. And that's
1: a, it's an hour long drive. It's the most, terrifying hour because you're on the highway the whole time and there's trucks everywhere but she texts me and she's like did you hear back yet and i i'm like what what am i hearing about the coke scholarship and i'm freaking out this whole time because Mm -hmm. i'm driving i still have 40 minutes left until i can get home and check (laughs) my email and my palms were sweating my my steering wheel was slick it was it was nerve-wracking and then I opened it up and I saw the congratulations and I, you know, I started crying and I called my dad immediately and we started yeah. planning a little surprise for the rest of the family. So I went out to the store, I bought a giant bottle of Coke. <laughs> I, um, I stopped at this really great bakery next to my eye doctor and picked up a giant thing, of pound cake. And I wrote on the top of the box, uh, share a Coke with a Coke scholar.
2: Yeah. <laughs> and
1: when they got home, they were all just—they were all so excited because they got free pound cake and coke.
0: <laughs> so uh, there you have it. You won the scholarship. Um, what kind of difference is it making right now for you?
1: Oh my gosh, I have met so many incredible people. Um, she was actually on the podcast really recently, but um, Rich. Yeah. We text each other constantly. We FaceTime all the time. And we're both going to Brown next year. Um, Yeah. So I've just, I've met one of, you know, so many people and so many cool individuals. Like the amount of just mind-blowing, mind-boggling things that everyone's been up to. It's so amazing. Mm -hmm. And it's such a strong support network. Like right now I'm, I got another writing position um, with a Koch scholar from, I want to say 2017. Mm Mm-hmm. I've I've had lunch with a Coke scholar, another Coke scholar, at Brown from last year. Mm-hmm. Um, we had this thing called the Leadership Development Institute, mm-hmm. where we sort of meet with an older Coke scholar and a few other Coke scholars and just talk about self-reflection, self-awareness, and our goals for the future. And that was such a such a challenging experience in a great way because it really made you reflect on what makes you you. Mm-hmm. It's just been an incredible network of people and experience for better for better understanding yourself I mean and the money's nice too
0: <laughs> so you talked about um, viewing the future how do you view the future I mean are you I mean you sound like a super optimistic person so I would imagine it's a very positive <laughs> view that I, I don't
1: I I don't know. It's funny because I don't always think of myself as an optimist, but I'm really trying to be. Um, yeah. And I, I, honestly don't know what my future holds for me. I, I really want to keep doing science communication, mm-hmm. but the beauty of science communication is you can enter whether I go into math, if I go into biology, physics.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. The, the truth is, I don't fully really know what I want to do, but I think that's that's perfectly fine, and that's what exploring yourself
0: is for can we talk a little bit about your college search process i mean how did you arrive at uh, brown so tell us a little bit about how you went about it uh, just for the benefit of our listeners
1: Mm -hmm. um i love google sheets so much (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) um and i essentially made this massive google sheet of every single school i could think of um, mm-hmm. so my school has, my high school, they used to have like events where colleges would visit. If I had a college visit and I went to, I would write it down. And I had this massive list of probably 40 schools.
2: <laughs>
1: mm. Um, and actually I'm going to rewind a little bit. Um, I really started coming up with schools, my sophomore year of high school, which I think honestly is a bit too early. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think that I used to get so worked up and, and scared by the prospect of applying to college mm-hmm. um, from way too young of an age. Like I was so focused on, on doing things cause I think it'll look good on my resume and not because I was interested in them. And mm-hmm. sophomore year was when I started realizing I don't want to do things just because I don't want to do things just because it'll get me in somewhere. I want to do things because I love them. Sure. And at that point I kind of dropped everything. I really wasn't interested in like, I tried to do model UN. I thought that would look great on application. I hated it.
2: <laughs>
1: so I, I just dropped everything I wasn't interested in and started pursuing like like real passions of mine. Like that's how I did writing.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I actually, I had a counselor tell me, don't do your writing stuff, stick to everything else. Mm. And, you know, I'm so glad I didn't listen to her <laughs> um, because you know it's, it found my passion.
2: Yeah. But
1: um, yeah, so I had this mega list of schools Yeah. And over time, I'd visit their webinars and sort of learn, like, can I see myself at this school? So, like, for example, I used to think Caltech was my dream school. Um, Mm -hmm. And then I went to one webinar Mm -hmm. and I asked, like, is there a way to, you know, how do students handle hobbies and academics? And I think her answer was something along the lines of, you know, it's hard to. But if you really love something, you'll find a way to do it. And that's, and I'm, I'm a very hobby centered person. Like I, I love textile design and that scared me. So I realized, you know, maybe I don't fit perfectly with the culture of Caltech. Yeah. And so I just kept moving on and I I did that for a lot of schools. I did that for University of Chicago. I was a really huge fan of a super strict core curriculum Mm -hmm. just because I didn't have a lot of chances to explore courses in high school. Yeah um and want to sort of forge my own path and sort of realizing things that i disliked and liked in colleges helped me realize oh you know i really want an open curriculum or i really want a school with a vibrant art scene a vibrant art program mm. um and so over time i would sort of i took my first college tour in uh, the summer before my senior year mm-hmm. and i want to say brown was one of the last ones we visited um mm. And I ended up just really, I felt a sense of connection to a lot of the students on campus. And mm-hmm. for me, it was someone who's interested in both writing and STEM. They're, mm-hmm. you know, they have an incredible uh, writing department and their science departments are really great too. So that open curriculum combined with their programs really made it such an appealing school to me. And then um, I remember it's, that sort of made me decide. I actually applied early there. hmm and that's where I went. That's where I'm going. Super excited. Yeah. Um, wow. mm-hmm. Yeah. And then that's how I found Brown. It's it's kind of funny because when I was looking back at like my my original list from sophomore year, Brown wasn't even on it. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't even on the list. And now it's it's a place that I couldn't be happier to be going because it has the coolest people I've ever met. You know, they're very they're they're down to earth, which was something I didn't really see it's certain other like high tier schools i visited yeah um, they're very creative and and diverse academic interests like mine and that's how i like brown
0: <laughs> you're off to brown um as you kind of reflect on your um, years in high school and maybe middle school what would you tell the rising seniors or maybe even high schoolers about college about the college process mm-hmm. what, what what would your advice to them be
1: i think it kind of goes back to what i was saying before but don't do things because you think they look good on a college application do things mm-hmm. because you have a genuine deep interest in them um and and really want to explore them maybe in the future like for example, I'm really interested in sustainability, aside from writing. Um, mm-hmm. And I found out that, and I love, I love the outdoors. I love hiking. I just got back from a super mm-hmm. cool uh, hiking trip up in New Paltz
2: mm-hmm.
1: around there with some of my friends and climbing trip. Um, and I love the outdoors and I, I'm lucky enough to grow up in a town that has two national wildlife refuges in it. Mm-hmm. Um and I found out recently that they have a super fun site. Uh, it's called the Rolling Hills Landfill, I believe. Rolling Hills or Rolling Knolls,
2: mm-hmm. and
1: that super fun site's just been sitting there, like no <laughs> cleanup for for decades now. And it's actually yeah. located inside of one of the reserves. My my favorite one's called the Great Swamp.
2: Yeah,
1: and it's it's polluting the water there, like. So I've, I what I've been doing is I've been doing research on you know, how, how has this been impacting the wildlife in the area? And what I found is that the water in the swamp is extremely basic. Yeah. Um, Which is, you know, my, my assumption is that it's been caused by the landfill. So, you know, that's not, it doesn't really have to do with, with anything on my applications or anything, you know, that would look good to a school necessarily, but that's just something I really, I really loved and was really passionate about. Or like, you know, I said before, I quit model UN because I don't care about model UN.
2: Right. Right.
1: And, and I also just invested, I would say invest more time in your hobbies and things that make you happy. Um, you know, I, I crochet, I sew a lot. I love my, love doing embroidery, anything like that. And, you know, I think that that adds color to a person. If you're yeah. sort of a robot who just, you know, I'm the captain of the math team and captain of the, model UN or just or just you know it's not your true passions I think colleges can sort of sense that and scope it out and it makes you less of a person at the end of the day you know you're you're a human being and and you should always do what makes you happy
0: absolutely absolutely I think I think you have to be authentic true to yourself like you said so um Mm -hmm. So this is wonderful. So Skylar, this has been a wonderful discussion. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, you have so many interests and so many uh, different ways in which you can proceed. And so I look forward to talking to you more in the future. Yeah, thank and you. Wish you. All the best at Brown and Beyond. And uh, yeah, uh, hope to catch a bunch of your creations pretty soon. Thank
1: you so, so much. And I'm, I'm so glad to be on the podcast. I, I can't wait to listen to my episode and Everyone else is when they come out. Apply for the Coke Scholarship, everyone.
0: <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So thank you, Skylar. Thanks for taking the time and I will talk to you soon. Take care. Yeah, bye.
1: bye. Talk soon. Bye
0: bye. Hi again. Hope you enjoyed our podcast with Skylar Walters. Skylar has lots of energy around science, sustainability, the outdoors and tons of empathy for people around her. I love her passion to make science easy to understand. It is quite amazing to hear how persistent she was in getting the 3D printing of hands right. It took effort and a few years, but she assembled a team to work with her. She then started donating the hands to kids. She sees Coca-Cola scholarship as an opportunity to collaborate and learn from the Scholars Alumni Network. I wish Skyler all the best at Brown and beyond. I hope this podcast inspires you as you prep for your own college journey. For your questions or comments on this podcast, please email podcast at Thank you all so much for listening to our podcast today. Transcripts for this podcast and previous podcasts are on almamatters.io forward slash podcasts. To stay connected with us, subscribe to Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify, or visit anchor.fm forward slash matters to check us out. Till we meet again, take care and be safe. Thank you.
1: College Matters.
2: Alma, Alma Matters. matters.